the feudal future podcast. Hey, feudal future family. Today's episode is a special episode. This is a clip from Joel Kotkin from his recent event at Chapman University, Views from the Left Coast. Joel will be speaking about the urban future. Enjoy. Let's get started. Uh, happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to Chapman University. I'm the dean of the Argus School of uh, Business and Economics here at Chapman University. I've been on the job only a couple of months, so I came uh, back to California uh, in uh, August to uh, help lead the school to uh, new heights. And super excited to be here today with you and have such a fantastic panel of speakers to talk about uh, the topic of the future of cities. So uh, the United States, the western part of the United States, have traditionally taken an important role in shaping how cities in the U.S. more generally are developing and holding and so on. And now we see some challenges to that. We have uh, significant homelessness. We have uh, significant uh, increases in home prices. A lot of challenges. And how do we address those challenges and how do we move forward? That's what our panelists will uh, talk about today. And I'm very happy to uh, say that the, uh, the, the first person I will introduce here is uh, my good friend, uh, Joel Karkin, who is uh, one of our presidential fellows. He also holds the uh, Roger Hobbs uh, uh, Fellowship, Professorship uh, in Urban Studies here at Chapman University. And I have a chance to interact with Joel many times during his business here, uh, and he's provided a lot of thought leadership for us. So it's good to have you here, Joel. Um, Ryan uh, Streeter is uh, over here, and he's the State Farm James Q. Wilson Scholar and also the Director of Domestic Policy Studies at the American Enterprise Institute. Uh, it's so great to have you here. Wonderful uh, introduction uh, meeting we had earlier today, and we are so uh, so happy about the sponsorship that AEI also is providing. Uh, for the conference. So it's great to have you here. Um, we have uh, Natalie uh, Gopnor, who is here, who's coming uh, in from uh, Utah. She's the associate dean at the David Eccles uh, School of Business and also the director of the Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute at the University of Utah. So I'm uh, so pleased to have you here as well uh, as a uh, uh, as a uh, uh, associate dean, uh, as a director. It's great to have you here and listen to your perspective. We have uh, Carla Lopez de la uh, welcome to you as well, uh, who is uh, a community development executive uh, and also a principal at Connections Consulting. So it's great to have your perspective here today as well. Uh, last but definitely not least, uh, we have also our friend uh, Charles Blaine here, who is the president of uh, Urban Reform and the Urban Reform Institute coming here from Texas, and that will provide uh, another perspective as well for us. So, um, with those introductory remarks, let me hand it over to our guests here. So, Joel, you're going to start by giving a few remarks, and then we will open up for all of you guys can ask some questions for the panel. But we will have each of the panelists first talk a little bit to uh, to you guys. So, Joel, you go first. All right. All right. I thanks, Henrik. Um, thanks everybody for being here. You know, in this weird era that we're in, getting people to show up live really come up a major challenge and. And I'm so pleased that you're all here. Um, the book, which um, was uh, put together by AEI, um, I think really uh, talks about some of the real changes that are going on. Um, some of it driven by the pandemic, but what I'm going to try talking about 
is that the pandemic only accelerated what was already happening. Um, and, the, and I think it did speed up the technological revolution that I think is also the shape city. So, um, so I want to just share a few things here. Um, uh, Ibn Khaldun, if you haven't read him, uh, an Arab historian of the 14th century, um, said a lot of smart things. Um, and actually, uh, if you go into this um, amazing period of uh, Islamic history, um, they, they had these people who traveled all over the world um, and, and wrote up their commentary. So when I want to find out some things about happening in certain parts of the world, in the 14th, 15th century, I know you're probably not interested, but um, the reality is that he had some great um, ideas. And he said, when there is a general change of condition, it's as if the entire creation had changed and the whole world altered. And I think that's what we're going through. Some of it is long standing, it's technological, it's demographic, and it, it also um, has to do with what some of the big changes in the world where, and we, we deal with this in the book, we have chapters that deal with with uh, cities in Africa, we have uh, chapters in, in the book about the uh, cities in China. So a lot of these things are applicable on a global level. Now, this is uh, just most of the things will be on the US, but you know, one of the things that always drove me a little bit nuts when I'm you know, uh, reading the media is they're thinking everybody's moving back into the city. Everybody's going to be in these dense cities, the denser the better. And meanwhile, you know, my colleague Wendell Cox and others have been saying, well, how about looking at the census, like looking at the numbers? But as I remember when I was debating somebody on, on CNN about, about the future of cities and the, um, uh, and, and, and I asked one, said, well, why do you think people hate suburbs? I said, well, all my friends in Greenwich Village hate suburbs. And I said, well, <laughs> okay. That's a really good sentence. Um, anyway, so what we're seeing is that cities are actually becoming less dense almost everywhere in the world. One of the things um, that um, happened in the past, particularly, is that they, uh, business centers were uh, and offices were built in the areas where the um, where the old neighborhoods were. So, like if you go to Beijing, for instance, the areas that used to be filled with residential neighborhoods are now office buildings and and have sort of displaced the same things true in Tokyo. So what, what we see is that most cities are much less crowded than they once were. Um, uh, you know, you look at Paris, you look at um, New York, I'm just, you know, New York on the Lower East Side uh, was the densest place on the planet around 1900. Uh, why my grandparents went there. I tell you, it was probably in Russia. Um, but the reality is, What's happening is a universal movement. Even when cities in the developing world are growing, they're growing at the outskirts. Um, and I, I think there are lots of reasons for this, but I think this is accelerating. And oddly enough, the one place that got a little denser is the Los Angeles region, but because we started off as much less dense um, and now a much denser. But the reality is the urban density around the world is changing. Um, and people are spreading out, and of course, we'll get reasons. But I just want to show you some numbers here. This is the, the, the net domestic migration for versus suburbs. Um, and what we what you can see is there was a brief period, um, basically around um, 2012, where urban growth and the growth in the suburbs were, was almost even. 
Um, and then you can see what happened and you can see what happened in 2020. But the, the long-term trend is pretty clear. Um, has a lot to do with cost of housing, has to do with you know, increasing the issue of public safety, and um, that has to do with the fact that, that work can be now dispersed much more. Um, I mean, if you think about what's happening um, in, and you know, Charles is our Texas expert, but you know, one of the things that, that that's clear that companies now feel even high-end business service companies say they can locate into North Dallas and serve the whole country. They don't have to be different uh, in in one or two or three uh, of the major cities. So they're both dispersing in different cities and to the suburbs of those cities. For instance, in Houston. Um, I probably shouldn't talk about it, but I will. Um, you know, in Houston, you know, Charles and I were talking about the city of Houston, we think of it as a boom town, but it's actually losing population. And even Harris County, which is the county surrounding uh, the, the, uh, the city of Houston, is about stagnant. But there's very rapid growth in the counties around. But increasingly, what people are finding is they're making the choice for many reasons. Um, now, a lot of it's demographics. As people get older, they start families, they want to buy a house, they, they really can't do it in, in, the, in the urban court. So this is, this is basically a long-running trend. So if we take a look, um, another way is if you look at the 52 largest metro areas, you can see that they've lost population up every year since 2016 uh, in terms of net domestic migration. Now, in the past, and I'll get into this a little bit later, the um, immigrants came and sort of made up for the fact that the local residents would leave. Um, but now what we're seeing is the immigrants are figuring out that they want to the suburbs too. And, and what, what you see is like, you know, one of the things I always get a kick out of is, um, and, you know, call this the places there. There are great Mexican restaurants in the Inland Empire. There are the best Vietnamese food in America is in Orange County. Um, and so I think we're seeing a, a huge change in the nature of suburban growth. And again, it's driven by domestic migration, but what we're also seeing is immigrants are choosing to go to cities that are generally less dense. Like just one interesting thing, the biggest increases in immigration were in Miami, um, there were the growth of the foreign-born population, and um, and with Dallas and Houston, uh, and um, Los Angeles actually lost um, foreign-born population in the last decade. Um, so what's happened more recently, and we you know again, we can't over-ensure that that is the um, going to be the long-term pattern, but San Jose and San Francisco, and I think in fact, I think Google announced uh, 10,000 layoffs uh, today, that's probably not going to help the demographics. Um, and what we're seeing is the cities that were most built, particularly San Francisco and New York, which were really built on this idea uh, but uh, Gene Gottman wrote about the transactional city where you, the, the future of the city was high-end um, business crowded into, into central districts. And many cities have done that. Um, but those that have been most dependent are having the hardest time. Um, San Francisco in, in particular, um, crime, all the things that Hedwig was mentioning, crime, uh, homelessness, you know, friends might say, well, don't never take your car to San Francisco because it's going to get broken into. The cops aren't going to do anything about it. Well, that's not a great recommendation. Los Angeles, um, if you've been to downtown LA, not a pretty picture. Um, and I always wonder, like, if I had a company, would I want my employees to have 
being in an environment filled with homeless people, um, and particularly, I would think for for the female workers, a particular problem, you know, getting harassed and things like that. So, what we're seeing, generally speaking, is that people are leaving high crime and also um, very much a high density um, area. And what what's happened is that people now are able to work more remotely. So, let's say in New York City. Where people used to be five days a week going into Manhattan, um, and you can tell that's my hometown. Uh, people going into Manhattan, there are uh, uh, maybe they're coming in once. Maybe they're coming in not at all. So let's say if, if you let's say if your if your job is in downtown is in downtown LA, and you only have to come in once a week, you're more likely to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to move further out in the Inland Empire, or I'm going to move. You know, the Palm Springs, I'm going to move somewhere I, I want to be um, and still you know, hold on to my job. So we're really in this, as Ibn Khaldun said, we're really in this major historic change. Um, where it ends up, I, I can't tell you, but but I, I do think that we're going into an era of much greater dispersion of economic and uh, demographic time. Um, and one of the big things that, of course, is that people say, well, young, I remember this from years ago, young people aren't interested. Houses. They don't want to have a backyard. Um, you know, that the, the new generation wants to live in a high density, high intense um, environment. Now, that is somewhat true up until the age of 30. And then that changes almost There are some people, you know, got the Woody Allen types who have to be in, in New York because, you know, they, they couldn't survive anywhere else. Um, but the reality is most people. Take a look at millennials, about 16% want a single family. Well, you try to get a single family home in an urban setting, particularly when you have cities who are essentially saying, you know, if you live in a single family home in an urban area, we're going to densify it and you're not going to be able to help if you want. So we've got some great urban neighborhoods around the country, you know, in Los Angeles and other cities that are under assault by. Developers and, and planners who are sort of trying to sort of destroy that um, single-family neighborhood culture, and that accelerates it as well. Um, so this was a what I thought one of the really amazing statistics. And then this is pre-pandemic, and as you can see, Miami, which is the whole Miami-Dade area, was the largest place for the increase in the number of foreign born. Then Dallas, then Houston, both ahead of New York, which is the traditional center of, of where people go. And now we have a mayor Adams saying that can't take any more of, of the undocumented who can crossing the border. Um, for a mayor of New York to be unable to accommodate 50,000 people, pretty, it's pretty bad. Um, anyway, so the bottom line is that foreign born are also dispersed and they're dispersing. Predominantly to fairly low density cities. Um, and that's been pretty much the, the case um, over the last 10 years. Um, and then the other thing that the suburbs have changed. Um, so the vast majority of all the growth in the, in the suburbs of the United States in the last um, last 20 years has been among um, Hispanics, um, African Americans, Asians. 4% of the growth in suburban um, um, life is, um, is, is from white non-Hispanics. So, you know, I, 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 one day I got a 
I think Twitter, but I, I you know, I wrote an article where I was talking about these things. They said, well, it showed that, you know, the fact that he thinks it's something which is a good show for the racist. So, I'm, I'm, can I be a racist if I'm talking about the mm -hmm. minorities of movement? Um, and yet, you know, we, unfortunately, a lot of um, particularly people in academia and the media don't understand that this is 2023 and not fighting. Um, and, and this is a major change um, that's taking place. And what you find increasingly is that the great concentrations of immigrants are now in the suburbs. The most diverse county um, in the United States, Fort Bend County, um, outside of um, Houston. And it's just an amazing place where basically a quarter African American, a quarter Hispanic, a quarter Asian, a quarter white. It also has an enormous Indian town. Um, a good place for Indian food. Uh, but, but the reality is that this is where America is going. And my point is that just because people live in the suburbs doesn't mean that they don't live in the city, they live in a different kind of city. And what's exciting about it is these cities are beginning to evolve. And if you want to just see a, a really uh, a really good example of where suburbia um, is going, just walk down to the, the, the circle area here in orange, which basically gives you a lot of the good things of the urban experience without a lot of the bad. And I was very happy that my my kids could go to the circle instead of going to the circle. And I think what you're seeing is more and more of these suburban communities are building some sort of urban infrastructure. Include, I think there's going to be greater competition from suburbs and smaller cities. Um, some people say that's anti-urban. Uh, Frank Lloyd Wright said, "City is where citizens go." And I think, you know, people who live in Orange are part of the Los Angeles region. We're just as much a part of it as somebody who lives in. Um, uh, some cities like New York uh, may try to be a luxury city, um, but it's going to have more and more competition and more and more people moving to other areas. I've seen like a lot of new cultural institutions growing, for instance, in Westchester County, New York, where a lot of people have moved as they moved out of the city. And if you've been to the Hudson Valley, it's one of the great places in North America. Um, but even New York has got a lot of uh, competition. Some cities like Chicago, I think, were a challenge because A, their weather's worse, um, their crime is worse, and their and their city government is even more. Um, um, uh, because LA is trying to catch. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I think that you know people talk about you know, the suburbs are, are are bad for the environment. But the reality is, if people live live and work either at home or nearby, they're actually using a lot less gas, a lot less power, um, and they actually would be quite good. And again, many of the really interesting suburban developments I've seen, the Woodlands being a good example outside of Houston, or even we just take a look at Irvine. It's a very environmentally friendly area and a kind of place where um, there's a great deal of efficiency. By the way, Irvine has the highest rates of working at home and the shortest commutes of almost And that has to do with the fact that this was very well planned. Um, so, but the, but the poor cities have to be, they have to realize that they've got real competition and they're going to have to change their approach. I think one of the problems cities. Is it's all been about grandiosity and, and you know we're the center of the universe and so everybody has to be here. It's like member Bloomberg saying, "Well, New York is where you have to be, be successful." And so 
you know, I think there's a bunch of guys outside of San Jose yeah. pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, so the reality is that success can be and can move from place to place. So we're in an era of intense competition. And the key thing I think the city, and um, I'm, I'm sure Ryan has some comments on this too, is you got to deal with the crime issue. you got to deal with the school issue. You've got to deal with the sanitation issue. And cities want to do everything but that. They want stadia with professional sports teams. They, they, they want to build high-rise luxury apartments for people who are there two days a year. Um, but the reality is you've got to get back to the basics. And the key thing is crime and schools and the basic infrastructure. And right now, I don't see a lot of discussion in that direction. Hopefully, our book will nudge people in that direction. So. Anyway, that's uh, that's to get us started. And Brian, 